Coming up, a message from the pulpit of Bethel Primitive Baptist Church in Calabash, North Carolina, by Elder Michael Goins. For information about Bethel Church, please visit our website at BethelPBC.us. I want to call your attention this morning to a text in Romans chapter 8, reading verses 5 to 9, as we speak on the grace and duty of spiritual mindedness. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, and they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. This is a supremely important passage of scripture in Paul's grand epistle to the Romans. And you'll notice the contrast between being carnally minded and being spiritually minded. To have a spiritual mind is both a grace, that is, it's something God gives you. And it's a duty. It's something that you and I should seek to cultivate. It's important for us to understand both of those points. First of all, spiritual mindedness is a grace. Everybody doesn't have a spiritual mind. By nature, we are brought into this world and our only mindset is carnal or fleshly. We don't think about God. We don't think about heaven. We're not concerned about the Bible or spiritual things. It takes a work of grace in the heart of an individual before he or she has a spiritual mind. That's really the point that Paul is driving at in Romans chapter 8. This passage is what old preachers used to call positional language. In other words, it describes your position, your spiritual position, your status, if I could say it like that, in Christ. For instance, notice the positional language in verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. That means if God's spirit has taken up his abode in your heart, then you are in this position. You're in the spirit. Now, I think we would all agree that practically speaking, as far as our day-to-day experience is concerned, we're not always in the spirit, right? But positionally speaking, so far as your legal status before God is concerned, you're either in the flesh or you're in the spirit. And if the spirit of God is in you, then that's evidence that you're in the spirit. Positionally speaking, you're one of God's people. You're safe in Christ. What I'm saying this morning is you have a contrast in this passage between two categories of people and every man, woman, boy, and girl in the universe fits into one of these classes. A person is either carnally minded or they're spiritually minded. That is, they're either in their natural unregenerate state or they are in Christ. And that means they've been given a spiritual mind in the new birth. Revelation chapter 13 has an interesting phrase that has puzzled some people. It speaks of those who worship the beast. You know the mark of the beast passage. It says, they that dwell upon the earth shall worship the beast. Some people read that and it concerns them. They say, well, I dwell on the earth. Where do you live today? Well, you say, I'm a resident of planet Earth. So does that mean I will worship the beast? I don't want to worship the beast. I'm not interested in the beast. No, interestingly, that expression in Revelation 13 that says, they that dwell upon the earth has to do with 
People whose only interests are worldly. People whose only interests are earthly. And you see, that's the condition each one of us is in by nature before the Holy Spirit indwells our souls. Before the work of regeneration, every one of us, our only interests are earthly. I'm sure I'm speaking to a group of people here this morning who have earthly interests. I mean, you're concerned about your houses, your lands, your physical health, your families, right? You're concerned about your work responsibilities. You're concerned about your children's progress, your grandchildren's development. We all have the cares of this life. But are your interests exclusively confined to this world? I would ask you today. Or are you also interested in the next world? You see, the people who are in their natural state, their only interests are earthly. Listen to how Paul says it in Philippians 3.19. We're talking about the grace and beauty of spiritual mindedness this morning. And right now we're emphasizing the first point that spiritual mindedness is something God gives you. You don't have it naturally, and if you have it, it's because God gave you the Spirit of God. Others who have not received the gift of grace in the new birth are only interested in this world. Philippians 3.19 is a good verse. The Apostle Paul speaks of people who are enemies of the cross of Christ, listen to this description, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. That is, there are some people who are only interested in satisfying their natural appetites, whether it's the appetite for food or for pleasure or for fun or for personal gain. He says their God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame and who mind, here's the thought, who mind earthly things. Then in contrast, the apostle says, for our conversation is in heaven. There are people whose entire focus is on this earth. They mind earthly things, but the Christian is somebody he says, whose interests are in the next world. So there's a positional distinction to be made between those who are carnally minded and those who are spiritually minded. And he says in this verse, the carnal mind is death. To be carnally minded is death. That's all he has to look forward to. The unregenerate man will finally perish and be judged eternally by God. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. God has given you a spiritual mind. That's an evidence, my friends, that you're alive and that you have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ because the carnal mind is enmity. Interestingly, he uses not the adjective, but the noun in this sentence indicating extreme hostility. The carnal mind is extreme hostility against God. That is, it's not just hostile, but it's the epitome of hostility. It's hostility itself. There's a natural antagonism in the heart of man against God. I don't know if you can think back that far in your personal experience, but maybe you can remember a time when not only did you not care about God, but you despised the very thought of him. There are people like that. My friends, if that's not your case today, that's an evidence that God has dealt with you by his grace. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh, that's their position, cannot please God. Now in contrast, those that have been born again possess a spiritual mind that is a new nature that's inclined toward the Lord and spiritual things. Therefore, again, the spiritually minded individual gives evidence of grace. Of course, that doesn't mean that people who've been born again are totally free from the natural disposition to be worldly or earthly minded. And you know that in your own experience, don't you? 
You say, okay, I believe I've been born again. Therefore, I don't have any interest in this world anymore. That's not the case at all. We find ourselves in this cosmic struggle, don't we? This battle in which we're being pulled like a magnet toward this earth. And then part of us is inclined toward God in heaven. And that's what the previous chapter in Romans talks about. Romans chapter 7, when he says, The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Does that language resonate in your experience? Somebody says that describes what sounds like schizophrenia, Brother Mike. Uh, I want to do this, but yet I end up doing that. But I feel interested in this, but yet I end up doing this. And I just don't understand. If you, my friends, have been born again, may I say there's part of you that loves God, wants to do right. But there's also part of you that finds pleasure in sin. And you're in a constant daily struggle, aren't you? Between the old you and the new you. It's like two... As the old Indian said, big dogs are inside of him fighting for dominance. And the question remains, which one will dominate in your life? Are you going to be tied to this world? And How sad is your condition if that's the case? Or are you and I going to live as spiritually minded people? And that's why we move now from the grace to the duty of spiritual mindedness. Because we have this tension, this perpetual and irreconcilable warfare between the flesh and the spirit between our old nature and our new. Therefore, there's a need to emphasize that spiritual mindedness is also a duty in your life and in mine. In other words, it's not only something done for you, positionally speaking, but it's something that you and I must do in a practical sense. Turn with me now to Colossians chapter 3 and listen to the same writer, the Apostle Paul, as he speaks of the duty of being spiritually minded. Colossians 3.1. If you then be risen with Christ. Now this is addressed to people who have been born again. Do you believe that God has raised you from a death in sin to a life in Jesus Christ? Do you have a hope in his mercy? Do you think that God has touched your heart at some point in the past? Well, if this is describing you, if you then be risen with Christ, Here's the imperative. Notice the indicative, then the imperative. Based on what he indicates that you are a born-again person, now he gives you this command, seek those things which are above. For Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. You see, the language of this passage is the language of duty. He's telling us to do something. If you're a child of God, then make heaven your focus. The things that are above, not the things on this earth. You see? And that's your responsibility and mine, dear friends. I want to say that the mind plays a very strategically important role in living the Christian life. Your mind matters. There's a tendency in Christian people to say, I've been thinking all week when I come to church, I just want to feel good. But I dare say that one of the ways we worship God is by loving him with our mind, having our minds renewed with the truth of Scripture. Your mind is important. In fact, I would venture to say this. The battleground, the theater in which the good fight of faith occurs in our lives is primarily the the mind. That's the theater. We fight the battle against the devil and the world and the flesh primarily in our thinking. What do you have more trouble with in your life than anything else? Somebody says, I have more trouble with my husband or my wife. No, I'm talking about within your own attempt to be godly. I have the most trouble with my thinking, don't you? 
Proverbs 23, 7 is an important principle. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you think about is going to translate into how you behave and your attitudes. For instance, you've heard the old expression, garbage in, garbage out. If you're feeding bad thoughts into your mind on a regular basis, that's going to produce bad attitudes and bad behaviors. And the best way to keep our minds focused on the Lord is to be spiritually minded. To be spiritually minded brings about peace and life. It's vitally important because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's where the devil attacks me most of all in my mind. Is that true for you? If he can sit on your shoulder and whisper in your ear that you're not accomplishing anything and nothing's working out and all you have to look forward to is are, is uh, defeat, glum days ahead, all the best days are behind you. If he can convince you of that, my friend, then he's already defeated you because you've lost focus, right? He's attacking and assaulting our minds. When he says, gird up the loins of your mind, 1 Peter chapter 1. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought into you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter is saying, put the belt of truth on your head. Gird up the loins of your mind. Your thinking matters. The old adage put it well, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. In this world, you see what we think about will result in how we live and eventually what kind of people we are. The person who's always thinking about immoral things is going to become very twisted and perverted in their conversation, and they're going to be known as this kind of character. The person who's always thinking about themselves is going to become very self-absorbed and self-centered, and it's going to push other people away. How we think matters. Listen to this passage, Philippians 4, verse 9. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true... Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things and the God of peace shall be with you. Somebody says, preacher, I can't control what I think. Well, I grant you, you can't control what thoughts may pop into your mind, but you can keep them from staying there. What did the old, uh, forget exactly who it was that said it, that said you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. He says, think on these things. Make a deliberate effort. My beloved, this is so vitally important that we put forth an effort to be spiritually minded. It's a duty. It's not just something God gives you the ability to do when you're born again. And there's something inside of you that's inclined toward him and spiritual things. So that you're no longer exclusively interested in this world, but you have an alternative disposition. But you see, dear friends, we then have to make the effort, the daily deliberate effort, to think on things that are above, to set our affection, to target heavenly realities as the goal of our lives Think on things that are above, not on things of the earth. These are the things that are pure, lovely, good report. And I would ask you, if you're spending 24 hours a day or at least 18 of those 24 hours watching television, are you thinking on things that are of good report, pure, lovely, and uh, praiseworthy? <laughs> Absolutely not. You've got to make the effort to feed your inward man. Because if all you're feeding in is garbage, then that's what's going to come out. So, Therefore, we need to avail ourselves of the spiritual disciplines of prayer, reading the word, public worship with the saints. These things are crucial if we're going to live spiritually minded lives. 
let's ask three questions. What is a spiritual mind? Why is this duty of being spiritually minded so important? And how can I be more spiritually minded? Number one, what is it? I think we would be correct to say that spiritual mindedness is the kind of life focus that our Lord Jesus displayed in his words to his mother in Luke chapter 2 verse 49 when he said, Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business. I know there's a sense in which only Jesus could do the father's business. I mean, only Jesus could do the work that he had been sent into the world to do. I can't save the Lord's people from their sins. Only Jesus could save sinners. And that was the business for which he had come into this world. But you see, there's a sense in which every one of us need to be more concerned about what our Heavenly Father's business is than what my business is. What does God desire for your life and mine? What would the Lord have me to do? That's a good question for each one of us to ask ourselves this morning. What is God's business? A spiritual mind is one that keeps this as the life focus. Every day you wake up saying, I must be about my Father's business. Today, I want to do God's will. You know, if you do God's will, then it really doesn't matter what the world thinks about you, whether you're a success or a failure. If you do God's will, my friends, you're going to live a productive life. To be spiritually minded is to say every morning, I must be about my father's business. Secondly, what is a spiritual mind? I think it's correct to say that spiritual mindedness is explained in that expression, walking with God. Genesis chapter 5 tells us about an interesting figure in olden times named Enoch. He's the seventh generation from Adam. Enoch was one of the first human beings that ever lived on planet Earth. And it says that in contrast to those that lived so many hundred years and then died, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And before his translation, he had this testimony. Here's the, if he had had a tombstone, which he didn't need one because he never died. He was just taken right from earth to heaven. But if he had had one, this would have been the epitaph on it. He had this testimony that he pleased God for Enoch walked with God. My beloved, may I say there's not a happier life than walking with God every day. Who's your companion in life? You say, well, I have a friend. I have a spouse. I have a Co-workers, these are the people I spend every day with. Well, there's one who's even more important than that. Can you say that every day, as you come to the close of that day, I've walked with God today? If you can say that, you're a blessed character. You've heard for the hymn that was written by uh, Sister Collins from Texas. I love the quietness of the morning, she says. The peaceful beauty of the day. I love to go there to my bower and humbly bow my head and pray. Oh, that his grace and mercy would guide me. That when it's finished, I can say, when the evening sun is setting, I have walked with God today. My friends, that makes for a good day, doesn't it? Come to the close of it saying, I've walked hand in hand with Jesus, just me and the Lord. Wouldn't it be wonderful to spend a whole day just walking with God? What have you accomplished today? Well, by the world standards, not a lot. But I'll tell you, I've had sweet fellowship with my God today. I've been walking with him. We've had wonderful conversations, sweet communion. I've walked with God today. William Cooper wrote the hymn number 371, where he says, Oh, for a closer walk with God, a calm and heavenly frame, a purer light to mark the road that leads me to the Lamb. He says, I desire more than anything else a closer walk with God. Maybe you're here today. You say, Preacher, I have a close enough walk with God. I don't need a closer walk with God. But I pray for you, dear friend, because may I say there's room for progress. There's room for improvement. 
in your life and mine in this area, I could live more closely to the Lord, couldn't you? In fact, I need to. Few things more precious in life than to just walk with God. Say, well, preacher, I don't have time. My life's too busy. Well, that's the very point at which we're aiming this more. We're talking to you today. You're the precise kind of person who needs to slow down and be more spiritually rather than worldly minded. You see, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Seek those things that are above. If you're a child of God, why would you tie yourself to this world? Learn to hold loosely to this world. Whatever it is that seems so important to you, the outcome of a ball game, the particular party in power and political office, what's happening on the world stage, what's happening economically, all of those things are important. I don't mean to suggest they're not. And it's not wrong to have an interest in them, but may I say our supreme interest must be in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father's business, walking with God every day. Here is spiritual mindedness. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing, says the Apostle Paul. Now again, I can hear someone objecting. Preacher, that's unrealistic. Pray without ceasing? I can't live like a monk in a monastery. You know, the monastic life is a life of seclusion, sequestered from the rest of the world just so they can live close to God. You say, if I'm going to live close to God, I'd have to shut myself away from the world through these big concrete walls, these big barriers. I would have to just completely sequester myself from reality. No, my friends, that's not the biblical pattern. To pray without ceasing does not mean that you should never do anything but pray, but it means that the attitude of daily, constant, perpetual communion with God is the goal toward which you and I should strive in our personal walk. Like the needle of a compass automatically returns to magnetic north when it's removed from nearer magnetic sources, so the mind of the little child of God should spontaneously return back to God as soon as it's set free from more immediate and pressing concerns. Every moment of every day should be lived in this perpetual attitude of dependence and fellowship. With God, That's what he means, pray without ceasing. That's a spiritual mind. What is spiritual mindedness? It's a habit of living all of life as unto the Lord. Colossians 3, 16 to 19 says, Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. The old cook in a monastery named Brother Andrew wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. He said, even in his pots and pans in the kitchen, he wanted to cook and to prepare meals to the glory of God. That's what it means, my friends, to be spiritually minded, to live all of life, not to segregate your life into sacred and secular categories, but to understand that the Lordship of Christ, the umbrella of Christ's authority, reigns over every dimension and sector of our lives, both private and public, both personal and professional that's what it means to be spiritually minded. Do all. Notice the focus in that text is not on what you do, but how you do it. doesn't matter whether you're changing a little baby or whether you're preparing a meal or whether you're closing a sale or litigating a case before a jury or doesn't matter whether you're doctoring a patient or writing a research paper, whether you're ironing a shirt or digging a ditch. Do all to the glory of God. By the way, that's a good rule to use to ask yourself the question, can I do this to the glory of God? That'll help you determine what you should do and what you should leave alone. You know, can I go into this establishment to the glory of Jesus Christ? Can I do it in the name of the Lord? 
Would you take Jesus with you? Where did you take him today? By the way, that's a good question to ask yourself, my friends. Where did you take Jesus today? You say, well, I took him with me to Food Lion. Took him with me to Walmart. Took him with me to school. Good deal. Take him with you everywhere. But there are some places he doesn't, you don't need to take him. You don't need to take him into the honky-tonk. No, he wouldn't be comfortable in there, and you shouldn't be either. So if you can't take Jesus there, don't go there. You see. Do all to the glory. That's what spiritual mindedness is. I would get even more specific. What is a spiritual mind? It is the sustained habit of focusing on the reality of heaven. Never forget there's a heaven. Don't become like the livestock in the pen outside that are only looking at the earth, you know. They're only searching for corn in the mud. Don't be like that. Learn to look up. I love the words of God to Abraham. Lift up thine eyes toward heaven. That's good advice to you and me this morning, dear friends. Look away from this vain and transitory world in which we live. And remember that there's another part to reality. The invisible world of the unseen. And remember that heaven is your ultimate home. Hebrews 11.13 puts it like this. Speaking of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. That is, they had not attained the point that you and I have reached at this point in human history. They saw it afar off, and they were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and, watch this, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they, they seek a country. He speaks of a heavenly country, a heavenly city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In other words, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived their lives in this world, realizing that the next world was ultimate reality, that the next world is what mattered. That's why I love this passage at the end of Hebrews 11, verse 37. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Here's what happened to many of God's people in the past. Some of them died as martyrs. They were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. That is, many of them had lives of hardship and trial and difficulty in this world. Can you identify? And he says, of whom the world was not worthy. I like that expression. (laughs) Of whom the world was not worthy. You see, these are people who were spiritually minded. Their hearts were consistently tender. They were in touch with heaven. They were looking toward heaven. They were journeying through this world, realizing I'm just passing through. Heaven is my real home, and that's where my interests lay. You know, I've had the privilege of knowing a few saints, not many, but a few saints in my history whose hearts were consistently tender. And I suggest that these are the kinds of people, these spiritually minded people, who are the most useful in the service of God. You read about Fanny Crosby, the blind hymn writer who wrote songs like, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Is that the kind of sentiment that I would ordinarily write? No, usually, dear friends, I'm so tied and bound to this earth that I can barely elevate my thoughts to that level. You see, I I want to be more spiritually minded like her. Think about some of the others, like Cowper or John Newton or Joseph Hart or Isaac Watts, these that walked with God. You say, well, Brother Mike, it was easier to walk with God back in the 17th or 18th century. They didn't have as many distractions as we do. I grant you, there are many distractions. Iniquity abounds today, and therefore the love of many waxes cold. My beloved, if Enoch could walk with God in a world that was about to be flooded because of its wickedness, you and I can also walk with God 
If he could do it, you and I can. If he could be an exception to the rule. You see, it wasn't long after Enoch lived that God destroyed the earth because the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And every thought and imagination of his heart was only evil continually. It sounds like 2021, doesn't it? If Enoch, though, could walk with God, that means it's possible for you to as well. You say, well, Brother Mike, to be honest with you, I'm not interested in people thinking I'm a holy Joe. Uh, I, we've got a preacher to be totally committed to the Lord. That's why we have a preacher. We, you shouldn't expect that of me. Well, my friends, may I say, even your preacher struggles with this. And if you're worried about being too spiritual, may I say just remove that from your mind because you're not close to that problem. <laughs> and I'm not either. We could all be more spiritually minded, could we not? Let's ask the question, why is this duty of spiritual mindedness so important? And I would answer because the most disruptive thing to usefulness in the Lord's service is being too worldly, too earthly minded. Acts 7.39 speaks of the children of Israel during Stephen's sermon about the children of Israel leaving Egypt. He says they came out of Egypt, but he says in their hearts they went back to Egypt. They returned to Egypt in their hearts. They wanted to go back physically, but they left their heart back there. How many of God's people come to church, they open their Bible to read, they do what they think is required of them, but their hearts are primarily tied to this world. We're so earthbound, and therefore, my beloved, may I say, that's one reason that our prayers seem so ineffective. How many times have I gone to the Lord in prayer and I just felt to be so dull? My mind, I just couldn't even focus. I couldn't even, didn't even know what to say. My heart was just so out of sync with heaven that, and it was so tied to this world that it just seemed like I was going through the motions, a formal kind of religion. There was no power in it, no heart in it. It can happen to each of us where we have food in our bellies, but leanness in our souls. May I say, my beloved, that's the danger we face. That's why spiritual mindedness is so important. Because too many of the Lord's servants have been like Demas, who forsook the right way. Second Timothy 4.10, Paul says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. What a sad verse that is. Would you agree? You know people who once sat on these pews, who once were on fire for the Lord, and now it's as if that's just a distant memory in their minds. They don't even feel, they wonder what they ever saw in the church to start with. It's because... My beloved, the love of the world has captured their hearts. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. I don't want to be a Demas, do you? I don't want to be distracted from the Lord by fool's gold. You've heard of pyrite, fool's gold? And somebody says, I found gold. But then when it's tested, they say, that's fool's gold. That's fake. It just looks like gold, but it's not really valuable. In fact, it's not as valuable as the dirt in which it was found. It's fo it'll fool you. How many people say, the world will make me happy. I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I want to be popular. I want to have everything. I want to do it all. Give me the world. They stretch their arms like seas to grasp in all the shore. And my friends, may I say, that's just fool's gold. Oh, to recognize that, to be wise. This duty is vitally important because riches are deceitful, as 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, how many Christians, Paul says to Timothy, through the deceitfulness of riches have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. May I say today the need for spiritual mindedness is even more urgent during seasons of great crisis and uncertainty. If you're passing through a trial, that's all the more reason to draw nigh to God. 
We've certainly been facing a trial in our nation and in our world over the past year, wouldn't you say? Have you ever lived through a season as uncertain, as potentially confusing and catastrophic as what is happening health-wise, politically, economically? I mean, the world is in such an unsettled state, it makes me despair for its future. I would say today that the need to be spiritually minded, more devoted to the Lord than ever before, is greater right now. And by the way, that's what, that's one of the greatest challenges we're facing. May I just be bluntly honest with you? I'm wondering if some of our churches will survive this COVID shutdown. I'm really wondering. We've lost so many people through death because of it. You know, our churches are weak as it is. And, and I'm not just talking about primitive Baptists. Every denomination is struggling to get people to come back to church. It's so much easier to, and I'm not opposed to live stream or Zoom meetings or, but I, I dare say that we should never underestimate the importance of public assembly. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all of his people. Congregational worship. The Lord deserves public worship. And you need it and I need it, my beloved. We need to be here. I need to see your faces. I need to be with the people of God. And in this day, I, I don't, I'm not cast pointing a finger at anybody, but I, I do have that fear. I wonder if some of our churches aren't just weak enough, whether they'll even be able to restart after what has happened to us during this past year. And if there's ever been a time for you and I to redouble our efforts to be more committed to the Lord and spiritually minded, it's now. Listen to this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, reading verses 29 to 31. And this is what strange language. Would you listen? But listen to it in, the ter in terms of what I was just saying, that times of crisis mean that it's mo more important and urgent than ever to draw close to the Lord. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. Sounds like he, he feels an urgency. That is, we don't have much time. The time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as those that possess not, and they that use this world as not abusing it. For the fashion of this world passeth away, but I would have you without carefulness. You say, what in the world is he saying? Is he saying that your marriage doesn't matter? That your emotions don't matter? That your job doesn't matter? That your food and raiment and your house payment doesn't matter? No, he's saying that there's something that matters more than the physical. Now, he wrote this in the early stages of the infant church. They were just starting the church. It was just being built. The foundation was laid in the Apostle Paul's day. And he says, brethren, this is a time that requires extra effort. So he says, the time is short. We only have a small window of opportunity. Therefore, he says, it's vitally important that something would come before your relationships, your emotions, your money, your finances. He says, those that have wives should be as those that had none. But the Lord first. Those that weep or rejoice as though they wept or rejoice not. Your emotions may be up and down, but he says, let's focus on doing the right thing. Those that buy as though they possess not. And those that use this world as not abusing it. By the way, that's a good rule to follow. We can use the world, but don't abuse. Use, but don't abuse the world. In other words, don't just throw your whole stock into this world. Don't invest everything you have and everything you are into a world that's going to be folded like a napkin, that's going to be burned with fervent heat someday. Lay your treasures on high. 
where moth nor rust can corrupt and where thieves can't break through and steal. I want to ask you, for what are you living today, dear friends? The need for spiritual mindedness is greater than ever before right now. I'm going to close by asking the question, how may you and I be more spiritually minded? Let's get real practical for just a couple of moments. I would answer the first thing that I need to do and that I would recommend you do. If you want to be more heavenly focused and less obsessed and preoccupied with this world, the first thing I would say is begin every day with God. Make up your mind right now that I'm going to start the day, every day before I get out of bed. Like Psalm 5.3 says, My voice, O Lord, thou shalt hear in the morning. In the morning I will lift my prayer to thee and look up. Start every day with that verse. Say, Lord, I'm going to make a commitment that before I talk to anybody else, before I turn on the news, before I check my messages, I'm going to talk to the Lord. My voice, O Lord, thou shalt hear in the morning. Start every day with God. How many times have you come to the close of the day and you say, boy, I've really messed up today. I've lost my temper and I've said things that hurt other people's feelings and I've been all tied in knots. And then you realize, oh, I forgot to pray. Has that song ever convicted you? Ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? It has me. My friends, start the day with God. That's one of the first things you can do. You can do this. Secondly, take time every day for daily Bible reading. You say, well, I'm not much of a reader. Well, here's one book you need to read. You say, well, I, I, I've never learned how to read. Well, then find somewhere where they read the Bible, audio, and listen to a chapter, at least a chapter a day. Psalm 1-1 says, Blessed is the man that standeth not in the way of sinners, sitteth not in the seat of the scornful, or walketh in the way of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And watch this, in God's law, he doth meditate day and night. For he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not fade, neither shall it see when heat cometh. He says this tree will be flourishing and fruitful and productive because it's drawing nourishment from the water on a regular basis. My beloved, if you and I will spend time every day reading the Word of God. And by the way, did you know if you read three chapters a day and five on Sundays, you could read through the whole Bible in one year? It takes about 20 minutes a day. To read three chapters a day. About 20 minutes. If you really want to be spiritually minded. I dare say there's, there are a few places that will help you more than just reading the Psalms. Now we ought to read all the Bible. Not just the Psalms. But read the Psalms. And listen to David saying. O God thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. Does, does this sound like an earthbound person to you? A worldly person? It sounds like somebody who's supremely spiritual. To me. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. Now, when you read it, read it existentially. Read it saying that yourself. Turn your meditation into prayer. Turn your reading into worship, personal worship. That's important. Early will I seek thee. Okay, early in the day, early in my life, early in a new task, I'm going to put God first. My soul thirsteth for thee. Can I really say that? O Lord, I am thirsty. I need something. The junk food of this world has left me famished, but I need spiritual nourishment. Read the Psalms. They'll help you to cultivate spiritual mindedness. David is a good role model. You know, every once in a while I'll see is somebody that's just supremely useful in the Lord's service. Very mature. Very spiritually minded. Much more useful and productive than I am. And I, I, I watch them and I try to study them and I want to be more like them. Not that I envy them. Not that I don't understand I'm my own person. But that gives me incentive 
to live closer to God. And that's one of the benefits of reading good Christian biographies is it will help you to want to be more devoted to the Lord. How may you be more spiritually minded? Begin the day with God. Read the word of God each day. May I say you need and I need to avail ourselves of the many spiritual resources that are available to us out there. I'm so thankful to have a hymnal. If you don't have a hymnal, you need every Christian needs a good Bible, a good concordance and a hymnal. And sometimes just open your hymnal and have a little worship service singing between you. and You say, well, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Well, if it's just you and the Lord, you don't have to worry about it. You sing. He doesn't care whether you're on key or not. Sing your heart out. Notice the lyrics. Worship. Sing as a family. Sing while you're driving down the road, my friends, with your children in the back seat. You say, well, we can't remember the hymns. Then whoever's riding shotgun, take a hymnal with you. And uh, you say, okay, here's the, hymn, here's the verse that we're about to sing. Here are the lyrics. And then everybody sing it. And then you follow it with another. You'll get better with time. You say, Brother Mike, church is for Sunday. No, we need to be more spiritually minded 24-7. And if you'll do that Monday through Saturday, it'll help your church time to be even more productive and beneficial to you. So many spiritual resources out there. Listen to recorded sermons and hymns. You may know that a couple of years ago, we started a 24-hour-a-day internet radio station called Grace Alone Radio. One of the reasons we did that is so that God's people who are going about their week, you know, driving to the next appointment or driving to work or coming home from work or on their lunch hour can uh, tune in and fill their minds with good hymns and good Bible teaching sound. You know, so many of our primitive Baptist people were listening to televangelists and people that were not theologically sound. I thought we need to marshal the resources we have and use some of the good material that's available to feed those with sound doctrine. And that's one of the reasons we did that. And it's out there. It's available for you to use. It will help you. Even myself, sometimes I'll turn it on and, you know, I, I listen to three to four sermons a day, just trying to keep the programming going on it. And sometimes it becomes just mechanical, you know, it becomes a job. And every once in a while, I'll find myself sort of spiritually lacking and I'll turn it on and it'll be singing how sweet the name of Jesus sounds and I can just feel my heart tender and my mind began to rejoice I can almost sense the physical change inside my body as I'm redirected refocused on that use the resources that are available they're out there for your benefit so many of our preachers are working to develop podcasts bible teaching all of that information. Make use of it, my friends. It'll help you to stay closer to God. And then I would say finally, with every opportunity that you have, worship with the saints at the church. The church is a heaven this side of heaven to God's children in this world. And therefore, we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, says Hebrews 10.25. As the manner of some is, but exhort one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, it is important. The church is essential. I say it again, the church is essential. Because the spiritual man is just as important as your physical health. And the spiritually minded person knows that. Oh, my friends, how important it is that we recognize the need for greater spirituality in our thinking. God has given you the mind of the spirit in the new birth. You have the ability. Now pursue it and seek it on a day-by-day -day basis, that's the challenge that faces us at this urgent moment of crisis. 
May God help you and me to put the Lord first in our thoughts and in our hearts and in our lives. Would you like to hear the preceding program again? For information, please consult the programming schedule at gracealoneradio.net.